Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lalas. Welcome the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This show is presented by State Farm. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. All right, Mossy, and then there were four. We are down to the final four. We just finished the uh, last round of uh, quarterfinal games. And we find ourselves sitting here in the wonderful country of Australia, in the beautiful city of Sydney. And guess what? The host nation has moved on. Before we get into a little bit more about the game, allow, allow me just a second here, will you, to, to give you my ode to Courtney Vine. And if you're just waking up and you didn't see, Australia won in penalty kicks, a historic penalty kick session, if you will. And ultimately, it came down to a beautiful redhead. Although that's redundant. It came down to a redhead, an Australian redhead. Long live the mutant gene. If you want something done and you want something done right, people, get a redhead to do it. And she stepped up with all of that pressure, with all of that attention, and made every Australian proud, made every redhead proud, and buried her penalty and put herself into history. And she will remember it for years and years and years for this moment that brought her team into the semifinals of the World Cup. Congratulations to the hosts, Australia, and congratulations to Courtney Vine on that incredible penalty. It was just a wonderful, wonderful moment. We were obviously broadcasting at the time, people screaming and yelling all over the, uh, the bay here and uh, at the harbor where we are broadcasting from, uh, people crying, people laughing, people singing, people dancing. Mossy, this is what I love about sports. This is what I love about international soccer. This is what I love about a moment like this. And if you're, if you're just listening, we are showing this moment when Courtney Vine put it in and sent her nation into ecstatic. And it was, it, it was, it was beautiful because you didn't even have to like soccer, but you could feel the pride. And although our U.S. team is no longer in this tournament, you could still revel in the response, and we have a lot of people working on this production that are Australian, and you could see how excited they were, uh, and like I said, how much pride they had in that moment. And again, 
This is not a soccer culture here. It's a you know, soccer-centric culture. Yes, they have soccer, and there's a lot of parallels between the U.S. and Australia in the way that they look at soccer. But in this moment, the nation came together and was united in celebration around the game of soccer, and it was wonderful to be a part of it. Longest penalty shootout in World Cup history, men's or women's, it came after what I thought was actually a pulsating match despite finishing scoreless. Uh, tons of drama, good chances for both sides. I actually thought France was the more dangerous team of the two over the 120 minutes, but they weren't able to put the ball in the back of the net. We go to penalties. It, it was a game that had a little bit of everything, including your boy Hervé Renard pulling the Louis van Gaal, Jasper Sillison, Tim Krul move, or more recently Thomas Tuchel did it with Mendy and Kepa in a League Cup final with Chelsea-Liverpool. Um, that always interesting, bringing in the goalkeeper. He took out uh, Pedro Mignan and replaced her with uh, Soline Durand. Yep. Um, and uh, we saw how it turned out. So uh, France go out. I mean, it's, it's a pity that either one of these teams would have to go out because I thought it was really evenly matched. Uh, and, I, and to your point, I thought it was just uh, wonderful. Uh, before we go on, uh, the State Farm can't miss moments. Uh, and you mentioned the goalkeeping situation. And by the way, FIFA player of the match for this game was Mackenzie Arnold, who had a roller coaster of a day. Uh, not only was in goal and saving, uh, saving shots in terms of the penalties, but then stepped up to take a penalty kick. And if you're watching it here, banged it off the, the post. Now you think, oh my goodness, this is horrible. She stepped up, and we saw a listener earlier in the tournament do the same thing, stepped up. But then... Dali comes in, takes one, no, not just one, steps off the line because she had been stepping off the line multiple times before. And we in the studio were saying, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. So she steps up, stays, saves Dali's first one, but has to take it again. Dali steps up, goes the exact same place. Mackenzie Arnold says, no, you're not going to fool me. I know you're going the exact same place, saves that one, and ultimately goes from goat to hero in the span of a couple of, uh, couple of seconds. So congratulations to her, uh, and she and that moment is our State uh, Farm can't miss moment. So congratulations to her. Uh, okay, if we get into some of the, uh, the other stuff about this game. You, 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 you enjoyed the game, and you thought it was an uh, epic type of back, uh, of back and forth. Did the best team win? No. Okay. I think France uh, is the slightly better team. Uh, Australia really had to rely on that magic we talked about. Uh, I think that was more the reason they moved on. On footballing terms, I would say France was the better team of the two today and is the better team in general. I would agree with you. Um, and even going into this game, when we were talking about it with, with Carly Lord and Ari Hinks, there was this feeling that everything kind of had to go right for Australia because they were facing a better team. And again, as, as a reminder, France was in this position four years ago as the host with that type, uh, that type of pressure. And yet, I think that this Australia team, especially with the return of, uh, of Sam Kerr, who did not start, but... I thought Tony Gustafson actually played it really smart in when he decided to have her come on the field. He didn't wait too late. 51st minute around there, uh, she came on. And she had an impact. She wasn't devastating in terms of her impact, but just it lifted up the crowd. And again, that crowd and that euphoria and all of that type of emotion, sometimes it can actually be a burden rather than a blessing. But I think that they very, very quickly have found a way to adopt it. And again... This is shades of 1999, Mossy. The 1999 World Cup, the United States hosting it, and what the United States did ultimately to go win it. Now, Australia hasn't won it yet, but 
the way that they are talking, the way that they are feeling, the feel around this team, and the undeniable impact that this summer is going to have on multiple generations and on the future uh, of soccer. Because, you know, when, and I said this on the air, when, when an American football or baseball or basketball player goes on the field, whether they win or lose, the future of their game is not in the balance. And maybe that's a little hyperbolic, right? But the reality is that, in the same way, by the way, in Australia, when a cricketer or a rugby player goes on the field, the future of the game is not in the balance. But you get the sense that this opportunity and this platform, the players understand it, and the Federation understands it, and these teams understand that this is their moment. And I'm so happy for Australia to have taken it with both hands and not let it go, because they will benefit it not just in the short term with what, what's happening here, but certainly in the long term. The U.S. in 99 is the only host nation to win a Women's World Cup. Australia hoping to become the second. And they're the first host nation since the U.S. in 2003 to reach the semis. So they're doing some historic stuff this summer. Uh, when I go back to um, uh, Courtney Vine, <laughs> the reason, and not because I don't want to belabor the point, but it is interesting because in preparation for the World Cup, you know, we watch and read anything that we possibly can, right? And uh, the, the, uh, the documentary on the Matildas, it was like an eight-part documentary. It's way too long. But at one point, they're obviously introducing us to these players. And Courtney Vine was one of the players that they go home with and the introducer. So I already felt like I kind of knew, I knew who she was. And this is a player that kind of lost her starting position. Incredibly fast, still hasn't harnessed that speed yet. But to, to see this person who, because of a documentary, I felt like I knew more, actually have this moment, and now, let's be honest, become a national hero and be part of history, there will be people many years from now that will say, where were you when Courtney Vine hit that penalty? And that's, that's kind of a cool thing to be a part of in the moment uh, and see what happens going forward. All right, where should we go to now? How about the others? Okay, Seven, let's uh, go to England, Columbia, my friend. England, Columbia. Now, this was on paper a mismatch. Underdog role of Colombia, and it's not that they don't deserve to be here. They absolutely do. But relative to the European champions of England, this was England's to lose. And Colombia was in that nice, comfortable type of underdog position. Not a whole lot of pressure. England, the European champions, under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, from uh, from fans and uh, pundits alike, if you will, including including myself. But you know, this was also this this was also. Ultimately, when this one, when the whistle blew, it became readily apparent right from the start that this was going to be a bar brawl. This was not going to be a soccer game. This was a knockdown, drag out, bare knuckle type of back and forth between these uh, between these two teams. They were trying to cr just crush each other, and in many cases they did. The physicality of this game was something that I haven't seen in a long time, and the back and forth and people going up and clashes and all that kind of stuff, it didn't make necessarily for the prettiest game, but it made for the most intense game. And at one point, Carly turned to me and said, I feel like I'm watching a hockey game. Because, you know, our good friend John Strong was also getting into it, and he was at his apex uh, in terms of the back and forth and talking about things, and you could just hear the excitement and emotion in his voice. Um, ultimately... England prevails, but Colombia scored first. First things first, um, did you think that Santos's goal was a shot or a cross? I thought it was a shot. Really? Yeah. A lot of England fans comparing it to Ronaldinho's goal against England in the 2002 quarterfinals that sailed over David Seaman. Uh, somewhat reminiscent. 
Yeah. And there's questions about that one as well, whether Ronaldinho meant to put the ball where it went. Well, you'll, you'll never you'll never tell. And sometimes you just say, yeah, just kind of put it in the general vicinity and see what, uh, see what happens. I think it was a cross. It doesn't really matter ultimately because it goes in the goal. And now everybody's turning around saying, oh, my goodness, Colombia is going to go in at halftime winning 1-0. Could the impossible actually, uh, actually happen? And Colombia had played... At, at times, well, and had some opportunities, but it was it was mostly uh, mostly England. Linda Caicedo, who has burst on the scene here, the 18-year-old phenom. In general, throughout today's game, I did not think that she was used to great effect. There is nobody faster on the field, and it's not just about speed with her, because she has incredible skill. But I didn't think. Colombia did a good enough job to isolate her one-on-one, and then when she was one-on-one, I don't think they did a good enough job of saying, Linda. Don't look to pass. Just, just take players on. You are faster than everybody, and you are more skilled than everybody. And she was deferring a lot in this game. So I didn't think that that was, uh, that was good. But to England's credit, they didn't panic. Uh, they showed a maturity that is befitting of a, a t- an elite team like they are in the European champions. And they found a way back in. I shouldn't say that. They were gifted a way back into the game right before halftime. Uh, they, get, uh, they, they get their goal. Um, but... As I said, it was a gift from Ms. Perez in goal. To give people a peek behind the curtain, yes. after Musovic's performance for Sweden against the U.S., we decided we, we should do a feature on the incredible goalkeeping at this World <laughs> Cup, how much uh, goalkeeping has improved in the women's game. I, I believe you might even be involved in that yes, piece. Yes, I, I think I wrote it. <laughs> um, after this game, we had some discussions about whether we should scrap that piece. Uh, because this mistake by Catalina Perez was incredible, inexcusable. I don't want to be hard on her, but she really hurt her team because England, given all the injuries, are actually kind of an offensively challenged team right now. And had Colombia got into the locker room uh, up 1-0, I think things could have gotten very hairy for the Lionesses in the second half. Uh, That was an incredible lifeline, a gift to go into the locker room 1-1. And then Alicia Russo scored in the second half and... They end up picking up the victory. But I do wonder how this game would have played out if Catalina Perez had not made that mistake. Why don't you want to be hard on her? Well. Because she's a girl? <laughs> I'm sure she feels awful already. Okay. But, I mean, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. And at the highest level, these professionals, all right, they made a mistake and a glaring mistake. And in any other context, we would be hard on that goalkeeper. That was a bad mistake that ultimately, you can argue, cost them the game. And it is, you know, she's going, she's not a bad goalkeeper. As a matter of fact, at times she has made good saves. But in that moment, you got to be able to hold on to the ball. And she will think about that uh, forever as a professional soccer player who made a mistake in, uh, in a World Cup. And I hope she goes on and does, uh, does good things. But us pointing out the fact that this was a mistake, that's what we do because we talk about soccer players regardless of their sex. England, by the way, have absolutely no depth. We talked about Vlad Kondanovsky not trusting his bench and not making a lot of subs. We've seen the same thing with Serena Vigman. All the players who were... The super subs at the Euros have now been thrust into starting roles, and that's left very little on the bench for her to go to. So, uh, And obviously they're without Lauren James due to suspension. So the lineup that started this game, other than Chloe Kelly, who she likes to bring on as a super sub, that, those are pretty much the players are going with, for better or for worse, at this World Cup. Um, a couple of things uh, on this game. Ramirez uh, for, for Colombia. Right. Most frustrating player in this tournament for me because... She has this strange 
speed that exists, but she can, she, evidently she can only access it at certain moments and at times just refuses to access it. And I'm not even talking about the rolling around because I, I had told you that that you know, was part of her game that just kind of drives me crazy. But I, if I was her teammate, I would be incredibly frustrated by the way she picks and chooses her moments when to actually uh, use her God-given talents uh, out there. But ultimately, when it comes from this Columbia perspective, you know, I was, I was talking to Rob Stone, and a lot of times through this tournament, we've talked about how four years ago when we saw Spain, they weren't quite ready for primetime. And four years later, you know, now there are a lot of people's picks to win the World Cup, and they've matured and evolved. Uh, this, this Columbia team, I don't think they ever pictured themselves being in the final uh, eight. Having said that, they deserve to be here, and I am really excited about the future of this team because it's based around a lot of younger players, uh, notwithstanding, you know, Usme and, and different players who kind of been there, done that. But if this is the crop of talent that we have coming up, and I hope it's not an, an anomaly or a type of aberration, this is a team to keep an eye on going forward because they didn't look out of place at any moment during this World Cup, including today against, uh, against England. But to your point, the better team won. So thank you, Colombia, for all of the excitement that you brought. Uh, so many fans, also the off-the-field component of the stadiums and the Colombians. They, they brought the noise. They brought the color. They brought, you know, the excitement and the celebration that every World Cup needs. And some World Cups and some World Cups games, even in this World Cup, did not have. And they brought it. I wonder how Melissa Ortiz is coping with this defeat. Or uh, Melly, as they call her, digital. Oh, really? Which uh, I, was, I was supposed to know that yesterday well, when I call Aaron her Schechter Melissa. said that. I call her Melissa. Um, she's doing fine. I just saw her, and she is... I think she is, well, sad that her team is going out, incredibly proud, and rightfully so, of what they did for, uh, for you know, not just for the country, but for the sport and for, you know, the women's sport, which sometimes we forget in different countries and cultures, you know, we, it's not even close to the amount of resources and time and ultimately respect that is given to some of these, uh, some of these programs. And Colombia did themselves incredibly proud uh, with what they, uh, what they had here. All right, so... We come down to Spain versus Sweden and Australia versus England. Uh, that Australia versus England game is here in Sydney. I don't know where the uh, Spain versus Sweden is. Auckland. 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 That would be over there in uh, New Zealand. Correct. Okay. Um, how are you viewing these two games, uh, these two semifinal games? Now, by the way, because these teams won, they both actually have two more games here at the World Cup. Uh, first off, the third, third place game will, will take place too. We were a penalty shootout away from having an all-European semifinal. We ended up with three out of the four, uh, France bowing out. But I still think that theme I brought up at the start of the tournament of would this be the World Cup where Europe would really shine through and show that all, all the growth they've made at club level would translate to the World Cup stage. I think it has. Okay. Um, so we are going to have uh, Spain, Sweden, Spain the more talented team. I think they're going to have more of the ball, but Sweden have demonstrated an ability to get results. Uh, so I would not put it past Sweden to win this game, although I do favor Spain. Well, I love the fact that we're going to have a new winner. Uh, and, you know, you kind of have this old guard that's kind of represented with Sweden. They've, they've been there for, for so long and never actually gotten to the mount. And if they're going to do it, they're going to have to go through, obviously, the United States uh, and Japan, and now through Spain, a lot of people's picks. But after going through those teams, and, and not with you know, flying colors by any stretch of the imagination, but still, you've got to take your hat off that they have been able to find ways to get, uh, to get these wins. Um, it, would be, 
it, it would be amazing for them to ultimately find themselves in that uh, in that final game. I do think Spain's a better team, but uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like Sweden has figured this tournament out and what they are, maybe more importantly, what they aren't. Yeah, we have two first-time semifinalists with Spain and Australia and two teams that have been there before. For England, it's their third straight semifinal. Uh, Sweden, third semifinal in the last four World Cups, fifth overall. So we'll see if perhaps that experience is a factor. In. Uh, the Matildas, you said, ended England's 30-match unbeaten run. Um... Okay. They, they beat him uh, in April right. in a game in Brentford. That is Serena Vigman's only defeat since taking over England. The only defeat. Yeah. Now, you, you said this on TV today. Yeah. You don't put a lot of stock yeah. in these warm-up matches because Australia had incredible results. They, they had beaten France right before the World yeah. Cup. England, Spain, Sweden, they beat all these teams in warm-up matches. But to you, that doesn't... I just think that the, uh, you know, the, um, the environment of a World Cup is kind of like this incubator and... and all the other stuff that happened before or after kind of, well, definitely after, but goes away. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't put a lot of stock in, uh, in that type of stuff. All right, Australia, England. I, I, I again think, yeah, wait, hold on, maybe I have to recess this. Because I was, I was about to say that I still think that, that England is a better team than Australia. But I keep kind of counting out Australia and, and talking about the aura and the power and the emotion of what's going on, and yet they still find ways to win. And keep in mind that they found a way to get here without Sam Kerr through much of this tournament. Now she comes back. She's played a little bit. Then she's played a little bit more. She came in, as I said, at a good point uh, today. So does she start? Yeah, this to me is not even a question anymore. She played 60-something minutes today and looked fine. And now a few extra days, I think absolutely. Made her penalty. Made her penalty. So she needs to start this semifinal for sure. Okay, so she starts this. So who are you picking? Uh, I will lean Australia. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, 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 it can't be England, all right? I mean, as I said before, I don't care if it's Australia or anybody else. It just cannot be England. I mean, all right, I, I actually was going to lean Australia, and I still will lean Australia. Um, and maybe I'm getting swept up in the excitement here. But I also will... Uh, I'll go with Sweden over Spain. So I'm picking Sweden and Australia. You're picking Spain and Australia ultimately for uh, for the final. For the final. Okay, um, we got a couple of dark days here, uh, and then we come right back to work with the two semifinal games. Got anything planned? I think I'm going to do Bondi Beach. I did Manly Beach uh, a couple of days ago. Well, people look at you and say that's a that's a beachcomber. That's a uh, a man of the beach. That's a beach boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, my, my family's coming in, so I don't oh, know. I want to win. Yes, no. yes. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, I actually heard some terrible news right before we started What's taping. That? Uh, both Mason and Aaron Schechter are leaving. This is their last podcast. That's it. They're they're done. They've yeah. they've had enough of us. You know, they're gonna head back. Look, everybody. We've we've had people come in and we've had people come out, and um, you know, not everybody stays the whole tournament and everything like that, but. Whether it's them or anybody else behind the scenes, we've talked so much about it, the incredible men and women they have. Many of them that have come over from uh, the states, and a lot of them come over from Los Angeles, and then a lot of uh, local uh, folks that we have working. Everybody has just been wonderful, and everybody has worked to make this uh, an incredible World Cup. And not that they need me to you know, shout from the rooftops or stand up for them, but this has already been an incredibly successful World Cup in terms of, you know, the ratings that we have had, the scope 
and the size of the production that we have, um, whether it's the, you know, the two countries that we are working in or this incredible compound and footprint that we have right here in Sydney, uh, Sydney Harbor, and the incredible work that the men and women, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, have given to this project every single day. And to give this Women's World Cup the appropriate level of attention and respect that it deserves. And I remain incredibly proud of the work that we have done so far. And I think when all is said and done, uh, come next week in that final, we will look back and say we did a, you know, we did a great job. We had ups and downs just like anything else. But thank you to everybody, uh, whether you're staying through to the end or whether you're going back, because we got all sorts of other stuff that these folks work on. This is very end of podcast-ish. We still have a couple of topics to hit. Yeah, we got some, we got, but, but I, I just want to get that. So, <laughs> I, you know, because I actually I talked to someone today and, and I said, you know, usually what happens is at the end of these things, you say, hey, you were wonderful and thank you so much for your help and all that kind of stuff. I try to do it before that because it's easy to, to do it at the end. But sometimes in the moment, people need to know how great they are, all right? So, for example, if I thought you were doing a great job, I would not wait till the end. I'd say, Moss, you're doing a great job, if I thought you were doing a great job. You know, I'm just using you as an example. We do have other stuff that is happening, so let's, uh, let's get to that. Should we start over here? Oh, look, messy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, did he score again? He scored again in Inter Miami's uh, 4-0 win over Charlotte. Yep. Uh, so they advanced. The semifinals are set in the League's Cup. It will be Philadelphia, Inter Miami, and Nashville, Monterey. Monterey with an incredible comeback against LAFC. But uh, here's the messy goal if you're watching us. Oh, my That's goodness. eight in five games. Not eight bad. Eight in five huh? games. Uh, just a reminder, everybody, okay, that uh, Leo Messi uh, has yet to score a goal or win a game in Major League Soccer. And his Inter-Miami team remains in the basement of the standings when it comes to Major League Soccer. A lot of people that are watching this phenomenon, and it is a phenomenon, don't even have any idea uh, about that. And that's not me taking a shot at him. That's just actually showing the incredible power that is the brand of Messi and what he has brought. Because he has fundamentally fundamentally transformed not only Inter-Miami on the field and off the field, but Major League Soccer. And that just shows how incredibly gifted he is and the power that he has. Incidentally, the Neymar debate is raging. Uh, I saw Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar got into a big fight about it. Herc is very pro-Neymar coming to MLS. Uh, Sebastian is against. Even World Soccer Talk fired off a tweet that was against, but then Carter Krishnayer, who works for World Soccer Talk, came out very much in favor of it. I do want to say something because a couple nights ago when we had Carly Lloyd here, I talked about it. But everybody else seems to be discussing it from an MLS perspective, whether it makes sense for MLS to go sign Neymar, and that's fair, and that's a conversation that should go on as well. 
I was talking about it from a Neymar perspective. So I was coming at it from a bit of a different angle as a Brazilian who wants Neymar to have uh, a successful final act of his career and be able to salvage his legacy and, and answer his and critics. And he can't have that in MLS? As I said the other night, I worry that if he came to MLS, he would be that type of guy. And you know, following this league the last 25 sure. years, who would think that he's doing everybody a favor by being there. And I, I think Neymar is the sort of guy, the way he's wired, that needs to go somewhere where he's pushed. And so... Uh, it would have to be a big European club. So that, that's what I said the other night. But again, it was, I was coming at it from a Neymar perspective and whether it makes sense for mm. him to come to MLS because I'm still holding out hope that he arrives at the next World Cup in good form and could still perhaps win it. Uh, but, you know, so... But you can see it from an MLS perspective of course, where it's, it's a no-brainer. Yes. Okay? If, if Neymar wants to come, regardless of what state he arrives in, it is something that you kind of have to do. By the way, uh, on our last pod, we went off the air. I, I talked about uh, Tyler Adams going to Chelsea. Oh, my and Moises goodness, right? Caicedo going to you, Liverpool. You put the and then, on And then I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, and it's all turned around. It looks like Caicedo now is going to go to Chelsea. And they're spending so much money on him that they pulled out of the Tyler Adams deal after Tyler had already taken a medical. So a lot of people think that's bad form on Chelsea's part. I know Tyler Adams and his camp well, are maybe, unhappy maybe about it. Maybe Tyler dodged a bullet. Who knows? Well, now they're talking about him going to Brighton to be a replacement for Caicedo. I think that would be a great move for him. So it might work out for the best for he's everybody gonna, He's going to be just fine. He's going to be just fine. All right. So Messi continues to score goals. This... Um, uh, this league's, uh, what are we calling it? League's Cup, league's cup continues yeah. to roll on. By the way, uh, so how many, uh, so we're down to the final eight, right? Final four. Final four, excuse yeah. me. So who's left? So it's Philadelphia, Inter, Miami, and then Monterey, Nashville. So only one Mexican team. Correct. Yeah, see, that this is the problem. God, can you imagine if Messi wasn't driving this thing, if it was just MLS teams? And I, I, I kind of feel bad for the League MX teams for... You know, they don't get to play any of the home games, any, any of these games at home, and they have to go play this, this tournament here. And this is a work in progress, so I think it's going to change going forward. But um, I think it's been successful, even though a lot of people don't quite know what it is. But I think people can see, whether they're fans or, or you know, media, that this could turn into something, something big. But, I mean, they hit the jackpot in terms of introducing this new, this new tournament and this new format with Messi at the helm, because without it, 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 might, be, it might be a different thing. But it's going to be fun to see. Now Messi has to go on the road to Philadelphia, evidently. So Jim Curtin and company can uh, you know, give, uh, give Messi a, 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 a dose of Chester, if you will. Anything else, Mossy? That's it. All right, listen, enjoy your couple of days off. Uh, I, will, I will, too. We will still have plenty of content for you going on. As Mossy said, we will still uh, give you what's, uh, what's happening here in uh, in the, uh, in the World Cup uh, as we get down here to the, uh, to the final four. So we're, we're coming down to the end of it, and it's been an incredible World Cup so far. And uh, if today was any indication, the semifinals should be in just awesome, awesome soccer on the field and awesome, awesome drama on the field. Congratulations again uh, before we leave to, uh, to Australia. You are making it better, and you are making it easier for us to televise a World Cup and a World Cup that unfortunately does not have the U.S., uh, any longer in it. So thank you to Australia. And again, thank you to Courtney Vine.
my favorite redhead out there. My favorite redhead Australian uh, and a true, uh, true Australian legend after what she, uh, what she did today. All right, Mossy, have fun. Uh, keep uh, reviewing and rating and downloading and subscribing and doing all the different things that you do. Thank you to State Farm for presenting this. Um, and uh, we will talk to you again in a few days. Don't go anywhere. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll be, uh, we'll be right here. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.